This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Kenyan Olds podcast. My name is Eric Kasuma and I will be your host today. Uh, in today's show, we have Sharon Kinyanju, who is a director at World Remit. I'll let Sharon introduce herself and uh, say what she does at World Remit. Thank you so much, Eric. So I'm Sharon Kinyanju. Uh, I lead our Europe, Middle East and Africa Receive region. So I'm the regional director for this, uh, the Receive region, which is the largest region for will remit globally um, in terms of recipients. Um, I manage over 42 plus countries in this realm, and we essentially focused on trying to build our network, our existing network, as well as bring on board new new partners uh, to work with commercially across Africa and those regions that I named. Uh, thanks, Sharon, uh, for, for the opportunity to interview today. I think uh, the remittance space in the continent and Africa has grown over the last few years. And uh, where I would like us to touch on uh, the impact of the remittance space across the continent and in Kenya in particular, and uh, what the impact of the pandemic had on this particular sector. So when you look at the recent stats, the remittance inflows to, to the continent and Kenya remained resilient despite the impact of the pandemic. On economies, I think uh, the World Bank also, at the onset of the pandemic, they predicted the remittance uh, inflows will actually reduce, but that wasn't the case. Uh, what do you think has driven this growth, despite the call by World Bank that will have a slowdown in remittance inflows? Um, yeah, I think I think there are a couple of things. First and foremost, I guess, um, to your point around the statistics, they are, the context is that uh, yes, the World Bank had estimated, I think it was even a, um, almost even a 45% drop in terms of uh, global remittances, especially in sub-Saharan Africa. So it was quite sizable, or uh, 45 million, sorry, drop in remittances. Um, so it was quite sizable for sub-Saharan Africa. But the reality in terms of the statistics that we have seen, especially in Kenya, um, has been that remittances during this period of time has continued to grow. So if you look at the data shared by Central Bank of Kenya, um, we have seen that of the 3 million or so Kenyans who live out in the diaspora, in this last year, they sent about 3 billion US dollars back home, right? And this is a 10% increase on what they had sent even at the height of the pandemic. Um, even then, they were sending about $2.6 billion back home. Um, so there are a variety of different reasons that have driven this trend effectively. One is obviously there's always, um, you know, there's always been, I guess, a, a, a psychological and societal uh, element that we have as Africans to always support our communities back home. So the tougher things are, the more people want to be able to send money back home and support their people back home. Um, so I think we've seen that people have been sending to try and make sure that um, their loved ones basically have health insurance that they're taken care of during this pandemic, um, that they have, they're able to cover medical expenses. Um, and then we've also seen another, uh, I guess, trend um, around some of the markets that had uh, stimulus packages. 
So if you look at um, the stimulus effect, um, as it were, so, you know, we know some of the key sending countries like the US, like the UK, have basically put into place measures to try and um, bring an additional level of comfort to their residents, right? So for uh, so either they reduce taxation or they've given them stimulus checks. Um, and if you look at the actual trends, you can see noticeable peaks, um, especially around the US stimulus checks. So people have actually utilized those funds that they have been given to send the money back home. So even if they have lost their jobs or they're not in the best situation possible, let's say in the US, they're still electing to send a proportion of the monies that they have received back to their loved ones. So I think I think that's um, one of the key things that has um, has definitely helped um, maintain this this resilience. Uh, and then lastly, I would say uh, technology, right? Um, so you know, um, despite the fact that there have been lockdowns both on the send side and also on the receive side. Technology has enabled people to still be able to send during this period of time. Um, so you find uh, we're, as well, Remit, we're an app-based company, predominantly online. So people who have been under lockdown in the UK for nine, 10 months, et cetera, have been still been able to send funds to family who are in Zimbabwe, et cetera. Um, that resilience continues because of you know societal as well as um, stimulus packages and technology. Interesting. Uh, great insights on how... The, the role that technology plays in making it easier for a send home by money back from abroad. Uh, speaking of on the importance of technology, uh, Wild Remit is considered one of the largest remittance companies. And at the role that you hold or where you sit, I think it's quite significant given the number of countries that you oversee, which are about over 130 countries that Wild Remit operates in. Uh, I think in 2020, uh, World Remit processed over 50 million customer payments, worth over 10 billion. What do you think has been driving this growth? Um, I think there are a couple of factors. Um, one is, of course, I think we had an early move advantage. Um, so our founder had a very clear image and a clear vision that he wanted to make um, remittances digital. That was there from the outset. He saw the incumbents, which were basically the traditional uh, remittance players, and he he thought they were clunky, slow, and focused only on cash. And he thought there's really an opportunity for a digital-based company, which does digital pay-in uh, and digital payout predominantly, to, to really take over the market. And I think that has really driven our growth in the last 10 years that we've actually been um, up and running. So I, I think we, we had that first mover advantage. Although our companies, you know, obviously over time have, have slowly started to enter into the same realm. I think what keeps us ahead of the pack, especially with some of those other companies that have entered, is um, our customer experience. So, you know, we operate uh, around the sun customer service model, which basically means that we have customer service centers in Africa, in APAC, in Americas. So there's no one time that you will be unable to contact and be unable to reach and find nobody. So, And then we've introduced new platforms for engaging with customer service like web chat, um, which is key because I think during this pandemic, especially at the beginning part of the pandemic, when people weren't sure how long this would take, we had an influx of a lot of new customers. So I think the, the customer service experience definitely differentiates us. Um, and choice. So um, I think what we found even amongst digital players is a lot of digital players 
have tended to focus on um, one one realm, right? So it's either I'm an app, but maybe my payout is only uh, to mobile. Um, the one thing that we've been able to give customers is continuing to grow um, our choice. So customers are able to effectively get their funds through mobile money, bank payout in different currencies. And in fact, we've actually seen customers who have elected to send their money to their USD accounts in, in Kenya, or um, there are others who have uh, decided that they still want to be able to get it in hard cash. There are people who don't believe in digital channels. Uh, and there's even a proportion of people who still, still want to get airtime top up. So I think, I think choice um, has definitely driven our growth. And then I would also add affordability um, and convenience. Again, back to this being a digital first um, company, basically. You know, the pandemic has really driven all businesses that have been on digital platforms have definitely seen a phenomenal growth. We've seen it with Amazon. We've seen it with ourselves. Um, people are really looking for that convenience of being able to get what they need from the safety of their home. So, um, and the fact that it's a secure platform, I think has definitely helped helped us a lot there. But um, yeah, during this period of time, we've, we've revised a lot of our pricing to basically make sure that we're as affordable as possible. Um, and um, yeah, and I think that has really, really fueled our growth. Interesting. Speaking of the growth, you've been with Duadamit throughout the growth and the transformation, taking up different roles. And I think the last time that we spoke, you were uh, head of the region, but now you are director for Emirates Europe, Middle East and Africa, which is quite uh, a huge task and quite significant for women uh, in business, for women in financial services. And uh, one of the things that we've seen is very, very few women hold side positions. And I think it, it's quite commendable. What do you think needs to change to, for us to have more women at leadership positions, specifically in the fintech side of things? I think first and foremost, it's important that we have platforms like this to be able to tell our story, right? Um, you know, people can only emulate or look at people whose stories that they're already familiar with. So I think we have to do a better job in terms of storytelling and telling the stories of women who have been successful. Um, yes. I, I am successful. However, I know I'm not the only pool. There's there's a large, uh, a growing realm of women who are doing very, very well in different sectors within fintech. Um, and I think we need to highlight their stories more um, beyond the stories we already tell. Second, I think um, being proactive in terms of um, mentorships. So I think there's an onus on women leaders as well to be able to be on platforms and, and share our learnings um, as much as possible with those that are growing in their career and are looking for ways to enter into this field. But likewise, I'd like to really encourage anybody who's starting their career to reach out, even on LinkedIn, to somebody whose career you emulate. You know, I think men do that quite a lot. They, they, they don't feel shy about approaching somebody either on LinkedIn or in person. I mean, in the days when people were, you know, uh, in social places, I think a man wouldn't feel nothing about being able to approach another man and say, hey, listen, I really admire you. Um, I mean, I remember reading a story and even interacting with the late Chris Kirubi, and he was saying as well about how the number of people who used to approach him, I once saw him at um, a social club, um, a members club, and the number of people who actually approached him to get tips on how businesses grow, et cetera. Um, it was, and he made the time to to hold a mini audience to be able to tell people, you know, these are some of the things that you should be thinking about in, in the area of business. So I think we have a responsibility to share the knowledge that we have. But if you see somebody's uh, track record that you admire, please feel free to also reach out to them. And hopefully they may have enough time to be able to engage you. 
Um, I think the other thing, the other area to also kind of um, look at is um, if you want to get into the tech space um, and be more on the technical side, because I mean, all manner of careers are covered in fintech. Huh? You could even still be an HR professional in a fintech firm. So it's you don't have to be a, a hardcore techie to be able to be part of the fintech uh, arena. So I would say, um, you know, if you want to go and your skills have to be um, tech-based, you know, there are very many platforms and very many hubs, We, including World Remit, where we actually give the opportunity for people who are interested in um, expanding their technical expertise uh, to engage with us. So, so that's something that we actually offer. But likewise, uh, I would say, you know, just recognize that there are many other parts and many other fields you could also do within the fintech space. Um, so I would also encourage women to, to to find their space, find the space that you're passionate about and, and apply for a role. Uh, I think when, when we look back a few a few years ago, or say over a decade, there weren't as many opportunities for, say, women in the financial services industry. Many of the opportunities that, that existed were around the traditional financial side of things, which is around banking, uh, the traditional insurance. But at the moment, speaking of fintech, there are a number of opportunities that have emerged even for not just women, but even for the youth to take up some of these opportunities. What opportunities do you think have emerged for women in your field that were not the dedicated one uh, that women should take a keen interest on? Yeah, I would say there are lots of burgeoning business network forums, huh? which are specifically targeted at women in fintech. There's even an organization that has been set up, Africa Women in Fintech, and there's an Africa Women in Financial Payments. Um, you know, there are numerous organizations that are there to basically help women in this particular space. There are chapters that are uh, relevant to your country. So there's, you know, there's a Kenyan chapter of the African Women in, in, um, in Financial Payments. Um, you know, as well as in Nigeria. So wherever you are, you know, it's it's really about being proactive enough to reach out and, and join any of these forums. Even if you just went on LinkedIn and basically tied in a couple of words, you would find a lot of these business networks. And I, I would highly encourage anybody who's serious about um, pursuing a career or even just wanting to learn more about what's happening in the space of fintech and women's role in fintech, to join some of these forums. So I think that is a lot more present um, than it was 10 years ago, for sure. Then I think there are also a lot of, uh, like I mentioned, a lot of learning hubs, um, a lot of technology learning hubs, you know, that can help you sharpen your skill if you're looking at this particular space, especially if you want to be on the on the tech side of, and the engineering side of, of things. Um, you know, and, and nowadays the beauty of the world that we live in is, you know, from the comfort of your home, you can engage with the world, um, you know, through the internet, right? Um, there's so many online courses that you can undertake. Um, so I think that is really present where it wasn't before. And for those ones who are real hustlers, I mean, there's so many online platforms like Fiverr, etc. So where you can actually test some of these skills and, and maybe try and take on some few consulting jobs to see if actually it's uh, something that is of interest to you before you leave your, your banking job or whichever field you're in. Of course, education plays a huge role in preparing pro uh, professionals for some of these uh, complex uh, complexities of finance and, and technology. Maybe we go back a little bit uh, about what you studied, what you studied, and uh, what prepared you for this, and what do you think women who are keen on serving this field should should be studying? 
would say, like I said, uh, fintech is broad, right? And quite frankly, you can study whatever you want. I started off as a lawyer, um, so so I wouldn't say I'm the blueprint for what what can, but I'm actually maybe the blueprint for what can actually happen. Let me take that back. I'm actually the blueprint for what can actually happen. You can you can start off in a career completely unrelated to to where you want to be. But what you must remember and what you must be clear about is what are the skills that are transferable to the field that you want to be into or you want to get into. So if I look at some of the skills that I still use um, even now in the role that I play, attention to detail, uh, being able to negotiate, um, which is a a, a key uh, component of my role as a commercial leader. So you can actually start off in a different field, but as long as you're 100% clear mentally what are the transferable skills that you have, you can take them across. I think the world has changed. Um, of course, people uh, are still looking for, for some semblance of um, that you have some experience um, in a field, but, um, but I think it's still very, very possible for you to, 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 be, um, to start off where you are. Like I mentioned, there are many, many roles uh, within a fintech that you can take on. Of course, if you want to be more technical minded, um, I would definitely, definitely recommend, you know, of course, um, more uh, engineering based courses. Right. You know, because I think that would, would definitely help you on more on the technical side. But for the rest of fintech, you can start where you are. As you close this, if you ask to give away your entire library, which are your top three books that you hold on to? no matter what, and what lessons have some of these books taught you in life and business? Okay. Um, first, I think I would start with um, a book called Atlas Shrugged. It's a book by an author called Ayn Rand. Um, so I'll spell that A-Y-N-R-A-N-D, um, just in case I'm mispronouncing it. And this was a book written back in the 70s. And for me, I read it when I was um, my first role, my first job, um, one of my mentors actually gave me that uh, book to read and it was, uh, was and still is mind-blowing. It was, um, the premise of the book is essentially what people can achieve if, if they're unshackled, if they allow themselves to dream their biggest dreams and pursue, you know, their biggest dreams, what are they capable of? And then likewise, it also shows what happens when um, government and other bodies basically try and interfere within that the space of dreams. And I think it's still as relevant in the 70s or 40 years plus uh, as it is now. So I would highly recommend. Um, it's a thick book. Uh, give yourself time, but I think it captures you and you would be surprised by how quickly you will actually complete it. I think there are very many life lessons in that particular book about living your best life. Um, the second book I would recommend is actually by a local author, um, and that's Making Sense by Washek and Dwati. So um, I think financial literacy is something that's never taught to anybody. So, you, you know, it's not taught at school. If you're lucky, you might have family around you who actually give you some financial literacy lessons or at least teach you about the importance of uh, savings. And even then, I think we only scratch the surface because we're told save, but we're really not told about the instruments to save in. What I love about Washek and Dwati's book is that it's highly relevant because the examples and the context is all set in Kenyan. So it's all about the people who sell mandazis and on the side as well as working their main jobs and how can you get to that million if you wish to. Um, I think it's just spot on. The reality of, of making money is 
if you don't know how to make your money work for you, then you're doomed effectively. So I think that must, for me, would be a must read at whatever point and one that I would save so that at least I can give to, to somebody else. Um, and then my final book is um, The Hungry Caterpillar. It's a children's book. Um, so it's a book that I've read to all my kids um, growing up. And it's about this caterpillar that basically started off um, as a caterpillar and turned into a butterfly. Um, and uh, I love that book uh, because it talks about transformation and it talks about change. But more than that, it was just a fun book. And it's, it's, for me, it's always, it's emotional because it shows me the journey and it also shows me what's, what's really important in my, in my life and that's family. So yeah, those are the three books that I would save. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sharon, for joining us today and for sharing such great insights for everyone in business, uh, of course, in their corporate careers. Uh, we're looking forward to hosting you again in our next show. Thank you uh, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Eric, and uh, the Kenyan Wall Street family. Um, yeah, look forward to doing more with you. Thank you. Thank you.